0: Today's sponsor is NetSuite. Since the beginning, NetSuite's focus has always been around enabling businesses to reach their goals by supporting the entire operation. NetSuite manages all of the key business processes across finance, accounting, commerce, inventory, and more in a single system available at your fingertips in real time. Now on to today's episode. Welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host and Glossy Managing Editor, Hillary Milnees. Today's guest is Patrick Herning, the CEO and co-founder of Eleven Honore, an e-commerce marketplace that sells plus-size designer fashion. In this episode, we discussed growing an online retailer, the ongoing plus-size opportunity for designers, and the role Eleven Honore wants to play as a resource in helping fashion houses build a new piece of their business. Hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for joining us, Patrick.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. So we're coming up right on one year uh, since 11 Honoré launched. What's, what's the biggest thing you've learned since then?
1: I think the biggest thing is what I haven't learned. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the thing with startups is you can plan for all the things that you think will go wrong and mm-hmm. those never go wrong. Mm-hmm. And then everything else goes wrong.
0: What do you plan to go wrong?
1: Uh, (laughs) let's just stick to the positives. (laughs) Um, So looking back, I think the most exciting thing for us is the traction of the industry in terms of brands that have come onto the platform. Mm -hmm. So when you look at our launch brand list, we were at approximately 16 brands and we just finished our resort buy, which will deliver end of year. And we're at 80 brands. Mm -hmm. And so I think for us, the most important thing to have demonstrated the past 12 months is that the industry is catching up and these are major designers that the fashion community has beloved for years uh, Zach Posen, Michael Kors, Monique Lillier, Baha East, Badgley Mishka, Tanya Taylor and we have an incredible edit and I feel that for our customer we are absolutely um, meeting and exceeding her expectations.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's a marketplace for our e-commerce platform for plus size designer fashion. Do you think that if it had launched five years earlier, that would be a different story?
1: That's a great question. And I actually always reference that timing that if this were to be taking place five years ago, we wouldn't have had the success that we have now. I think we were at an inflection point just in fashion and retail. And when things are turning upside down, that's always an amazing opportunity to Create change and define a new path for a brand and I think that's definitely the role we've played
0: What would have been the conversations like with the brands even before you started? How did you sit down and pitch the idea?
1: Well, I came up with the concept in august of 2016 And then began the process of writing the business plan pitching it to initial investors So six months before the It would be showing fall 17. So february of 17 Michael Kors and Ashley Graham down the runway probably had, I believe, five plus models in his show. And so there had been this moment taking place on the runways. And right after that mark, right after that fashion week is when we went in to talk to brands Mm. and our former buyer had been at Neiman Marcus for nearly 15 years and had incredible brand relationships. And it was really through that and then personal relationships with designers that we were able to bring them onto the platform. And so when we thought about who we would target. We obviously thought, okay, who has paid attention to this customer? Obviously a lot was happening on the runways that season. We talked to Prabal for launch. We talked to Christian Siriano at launch. Monique Lillier is a really good friend and I know she'd been designing for this customer for years from a bridal perspective. Mm -hmm. And then there were unconventional brands like Baja East probably wouldn't be the top of your mind, but they were incredibly excited. And then one, and it just goes down in sort of the memory books is Brandon Maxwell, his COO and I had this really amazing exchange when it came to the concept in the platform. And I don't know, it was just a very emotional experience for those first set of brands. And as I always say, those brands were much more like family than they were vendors because we're really creating the change together.
0: Mm -hmm. And so you had some, some good traction with the brands that were already investing in this space. Now, you don't have to name any names, but did any brands say no, and what were, what were their reasonings, if so?
1: Many brands said no, and it was very upsetting at first, because for me, we wanted critical mass in terms of launch. We had to have a certain set of brands for it to make sense, and we certainly got there. But where I found the most frustration is brands that I knew were doing this for top clients who were plus size, like celebrities, like celebrities or even just private clients. Right. So knowing what I knew about brands designing for this customer and then not wanting to support the platform, I found that very frustrating and just disheartening. But what I realized is I've never disclosed who those brands are. There's absolutely no reason to do that. Mm -hmm. And for me, at the end of the day, what I want for the customer are the best brands possible. And we're out there listening to her. And so it's all about persistence. And Jonathan Simkai is a perfect example. He was super excited about the opportunity, but from a production perspective, couldn't do it. And so then we went back for resort. Again, couldn't do it. Then for spring, he was able to do it. So, so much of it is about a dialogue and the way the fashion calendar falls, especially with markets, the second you finish a market, you're already getting emails about the following market. So it's really a 365 conversation. And for us, it's just a matter of when they fall into the to the delivery window, really.
0: Right. So I think it's, it's hard for for people who aren't super familiar with the supply chain, the production process to understand what what changes between can't do it. And now I can do it. Like what what does a brand need to do in order to flip that switch?
1: From from a production perspective, it's having the team in place that can create the pattern for this customer. Mm-hmm. So not to get too technical, but in straight size fashion, you create a pattern on let's say a six, and then from there you grade up to a 12, and then you grade down to a zero. You simply can't take a six pattern and grade up to an 18 because that's not how it works. And so you have to completely rework the pattern and base it on a 16:18. typically is what designers do. And so it requires a new fit model. It requires a new pattern. It requires a lot of support from the brand side on their infrastructure. And depending upon what they have in the pipeline, they don't always have the resources to do that. So depending upon the brand, what we are then able to do is go in with consulting services and we can completely rework the pattern for them. So it really becomes an extension of their production team where we go in, we regrade the pattern, we... We completely handle it soup to nuts and then turn that back over for the for the brand to then produce.
0: So you're basically giving them that extra boost where they might say, well, it costs too much to to uh, size up for this customer. And you're saying, oh, we'll take care of that. Exactly. Uh, And so so when we hear brands saying like, oh, I, I, I can't do it. Like it just seems like there's been a lot of excuses around it. Has there been beyond like the technical, beyond like the resources and the investment, what else has been holding brands back?
1: That's a great question. And what we don't acknowledge is sizeism, right? That is something that is alive and well in fashion and it's changing and it's changing quickly. And the progress that's been made, certainly at the designer level has been groundbreaking. You know, if you think about historically speaking, what the plus customer has had access to, and then you look at what she has access access to now, It's night and day. I mean, there's amazing brands that we're all friendly with in the um, plus ecosystem that are doing really great work. Universal Standard, you know, I'm friends with the co-founder and CEO, Paulina Mariah Chase, CEO of Eloquii. Um, I was at a dinner in Vegas during Shop Talk and I sat next to Nadia with Dia and & Co. And then obviously the role we're playing and though we're very different than those brands, we're all supporting one another because what we're all setting out to do is create as many options as possible for this customer. Mm-hmm. And you know, for me, what's most exciting is it's the wild, wild west. And you think of traditional fashion and you think about what the customers had access to and then you think about the role we're playing. For the first time is now having a, an equal seat at the table and participating in the fashion conversation in a way that she's never had access to before
0: right and so when you and your co-founder Catherine you guys came from different backgrounds in fashion e-commerce and, and um, retail business why did you decide on this format why not just design your own fashion brand why why did you want to go for the marketplace approach
1: so for me i had 10 years in tech and then 10 years in lifestyle marketing communications And through that experience, I had access to so many different brands. And what I loved about having a multi-designer e-commerce platform is the ability to create change across multiple levels. And so when you're mono brand, you have one singular message and one singular product. Obviously, many styles and skews within that product, but one singular brand. And for us to create change, and what 11 Honoré has really done, it's it's required momentum and support across so many different designers and it's through that designer support and through media support that the change is actually happening. Mm-hmm. And so for me, just knowing myself and what drives me creatively is change, is building something, is disrupting something, And what was also equally important for me is to lead a conversation and not follow a conversation. And so why I focused on luxury, why I focused on a multi-designer e-commerce platform is because it had never been done before. And so we get to rewrite the vocabulary around what this means for the customer. And that's what's super exciting for me.
0: Right. And And it put you in a position, like you were mentioning, to be able to assist across multiple brands. Changing the way that they produce and design fashion, um, and can you can you go into a little bit more detail around that type of resource? What else? What else um, does Eleven Non-Ray play in the role of brands? It may be extending into more sizes than they used to, or just putting more effort in that area. Where where do you um, where do you fit into that conversation? You
1: know, this is what I love about the role we're playing. If you think of a traditional big box retailer, they have vendor relationships with mm-hmm. their designers. We have familial relationships with our designers and it's it's across the board so there is something as simple as this is our recommended sizing chart you know we suggest you 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 follow this as you get into the to extended sizing there is the opportunity to provide one standardized fit model one in la one in new york for these designers so there's some consistency around fit and then there's a more comprehensive approach which is Let us help you with the pattern development. And there's variations of all three of those. Some we provide complete services. Some it's just an opportunity for a production team to get on a conference call because they have questions. And then in addition to sort of, let's call that the back end piece, what we've equally done and excelled with is marketing. And so if you spend any time on the site, you can see that it, it, it is, it is so beautiful. It is the best photographers, you know, we're, a, we're a brand that's based in Los Angeles. We fall fly all of our models in from New York, the investment that's made and the visual assets is personally what I think going to fundamentally change the way people view this customer, because historically speaking, plus women have been so sexualized. And if you Google plus, as I did when I was starting this business, you know, they're, they're, often found in intimates or swim, never styled in high fashion. And so that's what we're doing. We're we're showcasing this woman in a way that she's really never been showcased before and celebrating her for who she is. And she has a seat at the table and she has a voice and she's an important consumer in this marketplace. And it's all of those pieces from production to photography, to marketing, to narrative, to our editorial platform that. Is always taking into consideration our customer first. So, like we're a customer obsessed company and we're a data obsessed company, and those things together are changing the way this is this is being perceived.
0: Right. And and talk a little bit more about how you're how you've been using customer data over the past year. How has that shaped just the customer experience when they're shopping, um, and how you organize a site and seek out new brands and and follow trends and and all of that good stuff.
1: Well, it's really listening to her you know at the end of the day data is data but you have to have a dialogue with the customer and because we're so high touch and luxury that everybody's treated like a vvvvip and what what i love is that i had a hypothesis on what i thought the customer would be from a size perspective and that was wrong you know our customer our, our number one selling size is a 20 And so there's so many things that we're learning as a result, but I think the most important thing that we've learned over the last 12 months of being live is that she's just like a straight size customer. There's absolutely no difference in her mindset, in her philosophy. You know, what we learned early on at launch is Fashion was 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 performing the best. Baja East performed the best. Brandon performed the best. Zach performed the best. And what that told us is she wants the exact same options as her straight size counterparts in the fashion conversation. And so for us, it's always been about ensuring that the product on the site, the edit that we curate for her, is is online on par with what straight size women have access to.
0: Right. And so and to that to that end. Are are there new collections that are being designed or it's, what's the size range, um, you know, for these designers, are they, is it the same collection just in different sizes?
1: That's a great question. And for me, the most important thing was consistency. So this is the, this is the scenario, uh, our customer shopping with her girlfriend, they have lunch at Fred's at Barney's, they go downstairs, they see the latest Jonathan Simkai collection and they don't have her size. So she goes to 11 on array and she finds the size. It's the exact same style. So we had a tagline called the runway edited. So the point being that she has the exact same style, the exact same silhouette, the exact same color as her straight size friends. And it's having that equal product offering that was so important. Mm -hmm. And in terms of sizing, we launched with 10 to 20, but what we found early on is that the larger sizes performed the best. And we're really pushing designers to get to 22s, 24s and even 26s in some cases, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, you know, we want to meet our clients needs. And so if she is a 24, we want to have as many 24 options as as we can. And it it's also about walking before you run. So if you think of. of these designers had never done this before and their straight size run is a zero to a 12, we're essentially asking them to double that. And so the designers that came on were always so cautious about making sure that their fit was right. So they don't care the customer is a two or a twenty. They want that customer to have the exact same experience. So there's always been a tremendous amount of thought that goes into this to ensure that once she gets to our site and buys that style, buys that designer, buys that option, that it's the exact same experience as any straight size customer would have.
0: Right, but but thinking of the path of purchase, you're at Barney's, you're looking at a collection from a certain designer, and then you realize, like, how do you how do you fit Eleven Honoré into that? customer's consciousness when they're like, and, and it's a, a really good experience if they're at Barney's and then they think, oh, I have to go to an outside retailer to shop whenever my my friend is is just going to make the purchase at Barney's where we are right now. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of the psychology of the frustration with the customer, right? She's not getting her needs met in the traditional retail environment. And so that's was that was the unique opportunity for us to enter in the marketplace. And you know, I, I think that's a great point because for us, we're meeting her online, which is fantastic, but we also have a very comprehensive trunk show strategy that we're in the process of executing against across multiple markets in the United States and ultimately abroad. And the excitement, traction, sales that we get with this customer, IRL, as the kids say, is is tremendous. And so for me, not only do I want to meet her in a digital in the digital space, I also want to meet her in brick and mortar. So, absolutely, in the future, I want to have our own version of a barneys for her.
0: We're going to take a quick break for a message from our sponsor, Netsuite. When it comes to the day-to-day of the business, Netsuite lets you see what's going on in real time. Netsuite is the business management solution of choice for a ten-person health and beauty brand to retailers with thousands of employees. With Netsuite, the mission will always be enabling customers for growth, no matter what stage. Now back to the episode. We've been talking to a lot of different brands uh, that are selling wholesale and trying to push that that um, extended size range that is outside of the straight sizes. Where do you when you fit in with other peers, whether that's something like a Nordstrom or an Porte, what's holding them back from like adopting this retail strategy? Why, why isn't that? Um, why haven't we seen that really take off yet?
1: Well, I can't speak specifically to those brands and their initiatives around Plus because I don't have insider knowledge. What I do know is everybody's trying to figure it out. And when you look at those global brands like Nordstrom's, like Net. They have massive mechanisms in place that require tremendous research and data points. And, you know, I really applaud Nordstrom's for all of the work that they're doing for this customer, but they're a massive, massive retail player, you know, billion dollar player. What we get to do is we get to be super nimble, right? We are a data obsessed company and we get to pay attention to her and pivot as quickly as we need to. And Historically, we don't have a retail history with straight-sized women. We entered the market solely as a plus-size retailer in the design space. So we get to rewrite the rules, right? We don't have to adhere to any historical practices. We get to write the playbook as we go. And I think that's what's allowing us to be so successful so quickly is because we we just get to move very fast,
0: mm-hmm. and and on the topic of customer data and fit, uh, like you said, that's that's the most important thing for these designers, um, whether they've been in the space before or not. Just making sure they get that right. How do you track fi- uh, fit consistency across sizes? Uh, what's working? What's not? If if a if a twelve and one designer is not working as well as the the twenty two is, um, and are you sharing that data back with with the designer brands? One hundred
1: percent. And for us. During each product photo shoot, we have three people measuring and writing copious fit notes on each style that comes in to 11 on Array. And that's all on the website. And if a brand is running small based on a standardized fit model that we use, we make a recommendation to size up. And then we're also taking it a step further to identify certain brands that may be running small or may be running big at checkout. So when they do click the size, they're getting notified that based on our experience, please size up, please size down. And then what we do is provide any feedback to the designer. And what we found even as early as our first delivery, that if there were sizing issues, let's say an armhole was running too small or whatever it may be, and we could get in front of it before production. Brands were super, super supportive because obviously they want to exceed this client's expectations as well.
0: Right. And and being online focused right now, there, you mentioned some some thoughts about brick and mortar and trunk shows, but how is that um, playing out in terms of the customer acquisition and, and marketing? And, and how do you sort of get people to the site? when it, And like how are you targeting those customers
1: specifically? Well, gratefully, we have the most rock star head of marketing. So she oversaw marketing for Revolve and Forward by Elise Walker. So she has tremendous experience in the space when it comes to customer acquisition. So there's obviously our digital customer acquisition strategy, and then there's our brick and mortar customer acquisition strategy. And they're both working in tandem. And, you know, Business of Fashion recently uh, wrote about net to porte matches and moda going after the 1%. And that private client cultivation process and all of the efforts that go into catering to that 1%, we're no different. We have our own 1%. And we recently hired a director of sales that's actually based in New York. Fun fact, happens to be our largest market in terms of customers and really cultivating that. Because regardless of whether or not you're a digitally native brand or a brick-and-mortar retailer, a VIP customer is a VIP customer, and we treat her just the way every other major retailer or e-tailer treats her.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, how do you uh, harbor customer loyalty and and tr- make sure that it feels like a premium experience?
1: VIP handholding, white glove service through personal shoppers, uh, brand narrative, and community, and then exclusive product.
0: Oh, so so you work with the designers to create. How does that work?
1: Well, it works essentially because our size run is exclusive um, baseline. And then because we're trending to be a non-markdown site, it's really important that if our style is being sold somebody someplace else, that that style can't be marked down as well. So, you know, brands are really supporting that initiative because the brand certainly doesn't want the product to go on sale. And so by adhering to that, to that standard, we're finding tremendous brand support at the exclusive level.
0: Right. And, and customers, today are so um, obsessed with with newness and just fresh product all the time whenever they visit a site. How does and, and you're working with with a certain pool of brands right now, um, how do you make sure that you're on a production cycle that that makes sense uh, for the product and the designer, but is also feeding that customer need for just new product all the time?
1: new product all the time. That's the challenge. It's all about content, whether it's editorial content or product content. And for us, you just nailed it. You have to be fresh. You have to be new. There has to be constant product dropping. As we're getting more and more into the contemporary product offering, that is that that yields a more uh, consistent delivery, oftentimes 10 times a year, depending upon the brand. So we pepper that in with main collections, obviously, that are more seasonal. And for us, it's always ensuring the site's properly merchandised. Um, Our 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 merchant, our chief merchant, is uh, incredible and spends most of her time making sure the site's in a in a beautiful, organized and fresh way. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of things. And then you you have to interject content. You have to interject editorials. We're launching our e commerce, uh, excuse me, our editorial platform this month called Page Eleven, and that's that's an opportunity for her to come and engage. With 11 Honore be part of this movement, be part of this community, even if she doesn't plan to shop that day, because we're creating this entire world for her, where she's seen, where she's heard, where she can shop, where she can learn, where she can um, be celebrated. And that, that has never really happened before at this elevated product level. And for us to be creating this world for her is, is incredibly rewarding.
0: Right, because customers today drive so much of the conversation and have so much more influence in where fashion retail is going. How do you plan to crowd that community? What's, what's been the most effective channel for you? Is it email, social media? How do you speak to that customer?
1: I think you have to be omni-channel in terms of how you communicate with her. You know, We have uh, a very aggressive and comprehensive communications team and strategy, so we're speaking to her through traditional print and then obviously online. Um, our own channels, whether it be Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram, obviously being a huge, as I like to call it, digital handshake for the brand to the customer. That's where oftentimes she first hears about you, uh, influencer engagement, the community of influencers are, yeah, uh, I'm so loyal and devoted to them because they have been so they, 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 they move me on a daily basis because they truly believe and want to support what we're doing. So that piece of the puzzle is hugely important and, um, out grinning and gripping. I don't know, you know, <laughs> evangelizing your message and being as many places as you can. And the thing about our customers, our customers everywhere, you know, they're, they're part of every conversation. So in order to find her, you have to really be, be comprehensive in your approach.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and And I think it seems like it's just having a a brand that fits into very modern idea of what what luxury fashion is. How do you communicate that? Well, like you said, there's a history of sizism in the industry, but you have this customer, there's money on the table that retailers, other retailers are missing out on. uh, And there's obviously a, a need for this. So how do you sort of bridge that gap between what luxury fashion has historically been perceived as and how they've traditionally talked to customers with this new idea of where luxury is going?
1: Yeah. And I think the definition of luxury also is changing and, you know, luxury can read elitist. And for us, luxury is attainable. Luxury is elevated product. Luxury is contemporary. Luxury is edit. Luxury is design. Luxury is experience. Luxury is feeling great about yourself from what you're reading. So it's a much bigger word to us than just luxury as, as one would think about it being expensive. Because, you know, if you, if you study the site, you know, you can, We have intimates that start at $80. We have t-shirts from Adam Lippis that start at $100. So there is accessibility from a pricing perspective. And when you think about other players, our narrative is so inclusive. So, you know, if you are price sensitive, there's so many options out there for you. But what we wanted to provide is an option that hasn't existed. And so creating that democracy around pricing and inclusive narrative. It, this is never an experience where you're meant to feel out of your element. Or you know, every 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 effort we make, every word we choose is to make this customer feel welcomed, to make this customer feel included, to make this customer feel part of the conversation. And what I'm so excited about with Page Eleven is she can become part of the movement. She can become part of the community. She can become part of the Eleven Honoré family. And if she is not uh, our customer, one day she will be our customer. And it's all about knowing that this product is there for her when she's ready for it.
0: So there's the level of aspiration. Absolutely. So uh, just curious, what's been the highest performing category for you? Dresses. Like occasion wear? Not even uh,
1: all dresses. I mean, dresses, contemporary dresses to essentially wedding gowns. I mean dresses is is the number one performing style on the site month over month
0: interesting and so as we're we're almost out of time but um looking at your number two you mentioned a few things page 11 a brick and mortar strategy what what do you think is next for 411 honoree as well as just this this segment of the industry um as we're looking over the next year
1: for us what's next obviously from a from a from an initiative perspective 11, uh, page 11 is next, but the, the, the macro initiative is customer acquisition. And, you know, I think fashion is, is, has been so incredibly supportive. I think the media has been incredibly supportive and now it's taking it to the next level where if you live in Ohio and you happen to be getting a manicure and you're reading a magazine, you're finding out about us. I, I, I want to conquer the world.
0: Great. Well, that's a good place to end. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much for joining us, Patrick.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Special thanks to Aditi Sangal and Gianna Cappadona, the producers of this podcast. If you've been enjoying the Glossy podcast and aren't a Glossy Plus subscriber yet, it's time to consider joining to get access to all of Glossy's content, member events, ticket discounts, Slack chats, and more. As a reward for listening, use the code podcast at glossy.co slash plus to get 20% off an annual subscription. And as always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Anchor FM and leave us any feedback you have.